give me one shot here on a blue chip stock, believe me, Kevin, the only problem I'm gonna have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is gonna go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, your favorite draft analyst, favorite draft analyst. It's the Draft Deck NBA Draft Show, and we really are back, Albert, <laughs> because this is our first episode in a few weeks that we're doing together. You covered for me last week. Uh, the Tylers covered for both of us a week before that. Mm-hmm. So uh, allow us to reintroduce ourselves. My name is Corey Tulliba. Um, I am the NBA Draft Dude, and I am here, as always, with my dude, Albert Garbage Time Gim. Albert, what's cracking? What's going on, man? It feels good to be back, like you said. Um I didn't even realize that we were, haven't been together for that long, but it, it's good to be back and we're covering a guy that both of us seem to like a lot. So it's exciting. Um, here in Southern California, we just decided to flip things up and it is freezing cold here. It's 40 something degrees in the morning and I don't know what to do with myself. It sucks right now, but uh, I'm ready to rock. I, I would do a lot of bad things for 40 degrees in the morning right now. <laughs> now in new york it is like frigid cold in the mornings right now like 20s type stuff and you know i wait i I go to work at like 6 30 in the morning um now my wife is recovering from surgery so she's out of work and she has um a remote start for the car which i have basically told my family and my wife that i don't need for the last like eight years in a row because every year I I'm just like, ah, what am I going to use it for like a month? And I'll just tough it out. And you know, my car will heat up eventually. Uh, but I'm driving my wife's car while she's recovering right now with the remote start. And I was wrong. I should have gotten the remote (laughs) start because it's just, uh, just really unbelievable to walk into a really warm car. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny, Corey. We actually, I have the same thing on my car. Actually, my, my car, my wife's car, we both have it. We use it for the opposite reason. We use it in the summer so that the AC's on so right. when we get in, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, now we're talking. I, I didn't even think of that. Didn't, yeah. I didn't even think of that because uh, it's, you know, ridiculously hot in the summer in New York as well. Anyway, we are talking about a hot prospect. Julian Phillips, uh, Tennessee wing, 19.6 years old on draft night, listed at 6'8", 200 with a reported 7-foot wingspan, uh, 11.6 points per game in 26 and a half minutes, 6.1 rebounds, 2 assists, uh, 1.3 turnovers, 0.7 steals, 0.9 blocks. The field goal percentages get a bit ugly here, but we'll break that down. 35.3% from the field, 21.1% from three, 80% from the free throw line on six and a half attempts a game. True shooting percentage of 50.1% with a PER of 19.6. Preseason stock price. uh, ESPN had him at 18. SB Nation didn't have him ranked. Basketball News had him at 21. The Athletic didn't have him ranked. Tankathon didn't have him ranked. No ceilings. He came in at 36. Sports Illustrated didn't have him ranked. It was an average price, 36.4. Came in at 33 on the Draft Act IPO. 
currently ESPN has him at 23. The Athletic still does not have him ranked. Tankathon has him at 21. Basketball News at 22. Bleacher Report at 42. Uh, Sports Illustrated at 29. No ceilings. We haven't done an update yet at 36. We'll be interested to see what we do on the next update. Uh, SB Nation has not done an update, so he's still unranked there. That is an average price of 32.8. So, um, has moved up about four spots. Not, you know, anything crazy, but we're covering him somewhat early in the year and some boards haven't been updated. I think that when all the boards have been updated, he will jump up at least a little bit into that first round consideration. So um, with an average stock price of 32.8, Albert, is Julian Phillips stock price too high, too low, or is it just right? At this point in the season, I'm going to say just right. I won't give you like a long explanation, blah, blah, blah. I know sometimes I can ramble. Um, I I think just right feels about right right now. I think um, you you rattled off some of the numbers, some of the statistics, uh, some really ugly, uh, some not so ugly. So I I think at this stage in his development, this stage of the season, I think it's a totally fair number. He's definitely higher on my board, but considering everything, I think it's totally fine. Yeah, I don't think it's super egregious, you know, given the percentages are what they are. Like you, he's higher on my board, um, and I I think he's going to be a riser. It still feels a little low, and maybe that's just because I'm a little bit lower on some of this draft class once we get out of, like, the lottery. You know, I I think you can kind of make an argument for anybody. But with that said, let's bring back uh, a segment that – we we did last cycle if you had ten dollars to invest in julian phillips in chris murray and arthur kaluma how would you spend your ten dollars okay i might regret this answer later but for now, because I'm very high in Julian Phillips, I, I'll just tell you now, Corey. I have him 21st on my board, okay, right now, which is high. I'm not gonna, not gonna I'm hide higher. from it. I love that. See, I think I, is, I, he's like 17 best. or 18. I think he's now I feel like 17 so much or 18. better. Yeah, now I feel so much better. Okay, so I have him 21 on my current board that I'm tr- uh, that I'm going to be uploading. That w- actually will be releasing to the world next week, right? So he's currently 21st on my board. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to give him. Because I have Chris Murray right ahead of him. Okay, let's do this. $4 Chris Murray, $4 Julian Phillips, $2 to Kaluma is, I, I think, feels good. Okay. I like that. I like that. Um, I'm going to give him $5. Because I'm a, uh, I'm a buyer in what I think he can turn into. I have Chris Murray ahead of Kaluma right now on my board. Um, they're all very close together, which is why I chose this trio. However, I do still like Kaluma's long-term upside a little bit more than Chris's as, as of now. So I'm going to give Kaluma three and I'm going to give Chris Murray two. Cause I feel like Chris Murray is probably uh, the safest bet out of the trio, but I don't think he necessarily is, has shown that he has that same offensive upside or at least the creation ability that his brother Keegan has. And though, so I don't see that like big jump coming from him, but his floor is awesome as a guy who's like going to be a good NBA wing who could, you know, play both forward spots and you know, he's going to be good defensively and knock down open shots. So I, I think that's how I would allocate my investment money there. 
totally fair. I, I considered giving Phillips five. Um, and and you're, you're Corey, you're right. We do. I, I even for me, I have him in the same range. I actually have Chris Murray at twenty, Phillips at twenty one, and then Kaluma I have at like twenty eight. So, if they're all yeah. interchangeable at that point, exactly. back end of the first round, uh, I literally like Kaluma could go on a hot streak. He at could. some point right and then all of a sudden you're like all right that's the guy we were mm-hmm. hoping to see break out so uh th- that'll be interesting to see how that plays out let's get into the scout for julian phillips because it's it's gonna be uh both a easy breakdown and a complicated right breakdown right because i i think that what he does offensively is fairly straightforward but we need to feel confident in actually projecting that straightforward ability based on the fact that we haven't necessarily seen enough. And if those percentages are still where they're at, is he even a this year guy necessarily, right? That's, that's kind of what we have to flesh out here. So let's start with the shooting. And, and I should mention that you wrote about Julian Phillips, uh, comparing him to hot honey, uh, which is, you know, uh, if you go and read the piece, you'll understand the analogy. It's over at NoCeilingsNBA.com, which is free to subscribe to, mm-hmm. by the way. Uh, let's talk about the shooting. Talk to me. How do you feel about him as a shooter? Right now, 21% from three, 35.3% from the field, and 80% from the free throw line. Corey, I think a good place to start is to follow up on how you characterized the exercise of evaluating Julian Phillips. I, I think Julian Phillips, like you mentioned, is going to be a difficult or not so simple or so straightforward evaluation, because I think when we start talking about Phillips, there are going to be a lot of aspects of his game that we're talking about hypotheticals for a lot of them, or not hypotheticals necessarily, but a lot of projecting. You know, I think so far right now where I'm at with Julian Phillips as a shooter is I like everything that I see, which is a weird thing to say because he's shooting 21% from three, 35, 36% from the field. It's just that, I just think he's a couple tweaks away from being a really, really good shooter. Something that I wrote in my article, I, I the percentages were pretty similar to what they are now. I wrote this like a week plus ago, but um, I, I think if I if I can, Corey, rather than talking about his strengths, I do want to talk about a couple of the critiques, right? I think for me, from what I saw and that I mentioned and featured in my article, was that I felt like at times, and this is something that I really do believe he can work out, at times there is a pretty visible disconnect between his lower half and his upper half and when that happens i feel like he does lose a lot of his power um which is especially important when he's shooting outside from three i think his feet can be a little bit clunky i think getting himself set up now of course like we've talked about like i remember i distinctly remember last year when we talked about Corey kispert you were emphasizing why or two years ago actually wow look at us um you're talking about how you enjoyed kispert as a shooter because he was so effective both with his feet set and his feet not set um at this stage in julian phillips's development as a shooter uh, he's still getting trouble just getting his feet set at all, I feel like, a lot of the times. And so um, I don't think we're ready to even start evaluating what his shot looks like when his feet aren't set because he's still just straight up rudimentary, wow, rudimentary level. He struggles getting his feet set, and it can be really, really clunky. But at the top, right, with his release, Corey, of course, you're our shot doctor, so please, please correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks pretty to me. 
Like, I, I don't think it looks bad. I just feel like he needs to fine tune a little things here and there. So uh, let me stop there and say that I'm a believer in his shot. I just think he needs more coaching, more experience, more time is what I think. Please correct me if I'm wrong. No, I'm I'm also buying his shot. And that's, you know, I, I think that's the reason we're talking about him so early in this process when his percentages are what they are, because I believe in him. He's a guy that I liked before the draft. And it's interesting that you talk about like the lower body versus upper body stuff, because that's obviously, you know, something if you've watched him that that you'll notice. And you you mentioned how like uh, I don't even want to talk to him about him yet in regards to like when he's his feet aren't set because we haven't seen consistency with his feet set. And what I'll say to that is that one of the things I liked about him in high school is that his movement shooting I thought was really solid. And I felt like that's what he was more specializing at. That's the role he was used as, as a shooter at link Academy playing with Jordan Walsh and it was mostly from the mid range. Like it wasn't like a ton of like movement threes, but he would like come off screens and, and curls and whatever. And, and he would shoot it off balance a lot. And I feel like his feet are probably a little smoother in that regard because you don't really, you know, he, he probably didn't have time to sit and think about each step of his shot. Now, you know, we, we had this talk in the group chat, the no ceilings group chat a little bit. We're having it now, like his lower body, I think if you put his lower body on somebody else, it might be okay. But with him, it just feels a little bit clunky. Like I, I think his upper body, like you said, I think it's, it's pretty smooth. I think, you know, if I were to tweak it slightly, it's like he shoots a little bit in front of his face. You know, I would maybe move it, maybe give him uh, like the, the Ben Gordon, Trey Murphy type release but it's all consistent 90 degree angle you know go through the the elbow the follow-through like that's all there i like that about it the footwork i feel like really affects his balance you know we we've talked about on this podcast a lot like how important balance is and and how you know i always was taught or or learned to coach shooting in that like you kind of want to be in a, a little bit of like a fighting stance you know that that's how you would naturally kind of line up to shoot and that gives you balance and the ability to move and shoot it, whether your feet are set or not. And he most certainly, if he squared up with somebody, right, it would, he would look like a rock'em sock'em robot rather than somebody who can kind of stay balanced in any kind of situation. So I, right. that's something that he has to work on. But the good news is I think the upper body is way harder to work on than mm -hmm. the lower body. And, and I think an NBA team will look at that, say that is fixable. And by the time, you know, it, it's workout season, he's going to be a guy that we hear is knocking down, you know, a million shots in a row, I've, I'm thinking, when he gets with a trainer. But an NBA front office will see that. They'll think it's fixable. And they're going to be like, okay, let's work on that and then try to get it to all be one fluid thing and where he doesn't have to think and it, it doesn't have to be this year. But, uh, you know, by the end of his rookie deal, we think this is going to be a workable, effective shot. And some of the other things that he's going to potentially bring, especially I think on the defensive end, that's a worthy flyer. So I, I am a buyer in the shot. I, I think that he's going to ultimately be a better shooter than he is right now. I think the percentages, you know, he'll end up somewhere in the low thirties just because of the hole he's dug himself into early on. Um, what is, I, I'm more interested to see 
is if he gets better around the rim as a finisher. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I'm curious at because according to Barkovic, uh, 47 and a half percent at the rim, and and a guy who is as long, athletic as he is, um, you know, he should be finishing more than just under 50 percent of his attempts mm-hmm. at the rim. Mm-hmm. Corey, can we talk about that? Yeah, of course. finishing at the ring rim because in, in my article I wrote a couple things about it and I, I think I, I think it's a complex issue with him in terms of finishing at the rim. I, I don't think we can point to one thing and say, hey, if you just fix this, you'll be good. I, I think it is a couple of things. Now to start, <clears throat> excuse me, to start, I, I will say the one thing that I do enjoy is I think he do, does have pretty good touch. Um, I mean, with it, whether it's a shooting stroke or at the rim, I, I think some of the issues that I've had with him is that number one, I he he is a little bit on the weaker side right now. He needs to get stronger. He has to, like he absolutely, and it's not just like a top or bottom; it's a both. I think his legs can get stronger. I think his upper body can get stronger. His chest, his arms, his shoulder, everything. Um, I am nowhere near in any position or place to say that I don't think he can add mass. I absolutely do think he can. I think he has the physique to add mass. So for my, for me, in terms of that part of his evaluation, I go, okay, so right now he's really weak, but he can add mass. No problem. Just by looking at him. So that's, that's my first thing. The second thing I'll say, Corey is I do think he does take some weird paths to the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think he always finds the best angle. I do feel like um, he, he takes like weird winding attacks to the rim, which sometimes can be beneficial to a player, but for him with, and also I do think he lacks a little bit of vertical pop. I don't think he's the springiest athlete. You know, he's, so, he's got like a slow first yeah. jump, you know, like he, he can't like explode off the floor. I think he can get up. I just, yeah. you know, he, he, he doesn't have that quick bursty exactly. leaping yeah. ability. He's not, I he, oh, will say it now, he's not Amin Thompson going to no. the rim. No, 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 no. Yeah. So once you start combi- combining all those things, I think that's why, because at the time when I wrote the article, he's at 52.9% at the rim, according to Bartorovic, but now he's even lower. And I think we can attribute that to that being, you know, a combination of the things that I talked about. It was kind of what I've seen so far, but... With that, I will say I, I I do like that he's gone to the charity stripe a good amount. Um, yes. He had a game where he got to the free throw line 12 times, which is a good thing, which is a really, really good thing. Three but three games over 10 free throw attempts. That's good. That's, that's a good number. So clearly he has a desire to get to the rim, and he's not shying away from it, but his efficacy at the rim has to go up, and I think that takes a little bit more than just one change. I think he's got to get better at a lot of different things. Yeah, so I, he needs to get stronger so he can finish through contact, right? Like, so that is, is, I think, really obvious. What I wrote in my notes is that on drives, he looks like he just got his training wheels off and doesn't exactly know when to leap or how to fool guys with change of pace or speeds. He just kind of attacks with reckless abandon, and that's why some of his misses look a little bit awkward, but it's also one of the reasons why he's gotten to the line an average of almost seven times a game. So I I think for him to get those numbers up, I I think I want to see him, you know, kind of take less of those attempts where he's just like 
bullet training himself into a defender near the rim, even if his free throw attempts drop a little bit, maybe work on like a floater or something to, so he could kind of stop before he gets all the way to the hoop uh, as a counter. And then also like, I kind of want to see him in scenarios where he is able to leverage like his ability to play out in transition. Cause I think he's a good athlete in a, like a really good athlete in a straight line when he's running with long strides and like cut scenarios where he can cut a little bit, you know, to, to you can get easy baskets and all of those, um, you know, attempts aren't necessarily like self-created, you know, at the rim. I, I think he's a guy who isn't going to be a self-creator in the NBA. He's going to be a, a play finisher. So, you know, for me, a lot of these attempts where he's, you know, trying to do something, I, I kind of want to see less of those and and more of the the creation from his teammates, which in college, you know, maybe he doesn't do a ton of but the open space of the nba along with playing with you know much better playmakers i I think that'll probably help him just as a jumping off point from a a talent and and fit perspective and and style of play 100 percent agree i i I 100 agree i think the because Corey, we find guys who as you mentioned lack strength but they also lack the desire to take contact I, I like that Julian Phillips is not that. Yeah, I like he's, that, yeah. he's not he's not shy. He'll go <laughs> into you. <laughs> I mean, clearly he lacks the strength, and I'm sure he knows that himself. But the fact that he isn't afraid of the contact is a huge plus. And 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 as for us as evaluators, guys who look at players like this, like we have to be encouraged by that because adding mass is something that happens for everybody. We we talked about this. I think the last time you and I recorded, uh, we we talked about that how very naturally they're going to add back. I think it was, we were talking about Grady Dick actually, right? Talking about Grady Dick. No, no. It was, you, it was, it was probably you and Steven, but you, I think you did mention that. Yeah. Like yeah. Adding there was a dick joke somewhere natu- in there. You know, you add, you know, <laughs> Grady Dick's going to get bigger. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but I mean, overall, like whether it's the old man strength or just, you know, not having to go to class anymore and just spending more time in the gym, that mass and size will come. So I'm a hundred percent with you, man. And I, and I, just, I think I he's going to, yeah. he, even if he doesn't look like right Zion or whatever, like he's going to have like that wiry strength that like Brandon Ingram and Kevin Garnett, like those kind of guys develop where it doesn't look like they're strong, but they're strong, you know? And and again, like you said, that just happens naturally, I think. And, and, you know, talking about like his not being afraid of, of contact, the the last thing I think I kind of want to talk about, cause you know, yeah, he's an okay passer, right? Like he's got okay feel, but it's not like, you know, he's, he's not turning it over more than he's dishing it out, which is a good sign, but you know, he's not going to be a guy who's running, high pick and uh, rolls and needs to dissect the defense. So it's not like a a huge part of his game. It's just like, can he make the right read? And I think the answer is yes, but he is one of the best offensive rebounding Mm -hmm. wings in this class. And he's got a real knack for the ball and he goes in, he uses his length, he times it well. And he's also getting a lot of free throws, just like creating second chance opportunities for himself. So I I think that's a real part of his game this year. That's worth discussing because he's been really, really good at it. Corey, I wanted to ask you this question for some time now, but I essentially forget every single time that I'm supposed to ask you. So as a high school coach, if you were to rank the the parts of rebounding in terms of which part is most important, whether we're talking about effort 
anticipation, reading it off the rim, boxing. I don't know. There's so many different aspects that go into rebounding. How would you characterize from first to whatever the most important aspects of rebounding the ball? Uh, For me, and you know, you mentioned as a high school coach, and this is something that we're stressing because we've played three games so far and we've been an inconsistent rebounding team. You know, our first game are, I think we rebounded 93% of all possessions, which is, you know, phenomenal. And then it dropped down to 50% in our second game, which we lost pretty handedly to a good team. But it, when we watched the film back, we were just like, guys, like, are you going to box anyone out? Like, are you just going to go be physical and hit somebody? Like, I think at least at the high school level, you know, I I think when you, but at all levels, like boxing out, being physical and clearing space is, is a really valuable thing. And I think in the NBA, especially with this kind of influx of like guards and wings getting into the paint and grabbing rebounds so they can start the break themselves. And you're seeing guys like Steven Adams, and Brooke Lopez, like guys like that who maybe aren't posting monster rebound stats, but because they're just huge and clearing space and creating contact, they're clearing opportunities for their teammates to rebound. So for me, it just, it starts with just like, who's near you? Can you push them out of the way? I think when you look at Kevin Love, like when he was rebounding 15 times a game, yes, he read the ball at a special level, Dennis Rodman, they, you know, these guys could read the ball coming off the rim, but I think that is a a really special elite level tool that most players just aren't going to have. But like Kevin Love was just so good at like getting his man, sealing him. And like if the ball fell, the ball could fall near him and he can still get it without jumping because he was pushing his man back. So for me, when we teach it, like I just, I just want these guys, whether it's a perimeter player or a bigs, to not just try to jump for the ball and out, you know, athlete somebody, but to actually be physical and then you go after the ball. Bingo. Yeah. No, that that all sounds great. I, I think I laughed while you're explaining this because growing up, every single coach tried to tell us to read the ball off the rim. And Corey, I can guarantee you every single time for all of my playing career through this point in my life, I've never understood how you do that. Um, I've tried so hard to be like, okay, look, that shot looks short. It's, I, I can never figure it out. I, I've always been more about boxing out and clearing people out and creating an opportunity for the ball to fall right at my feet. But um, I'm, I'm 100% with you. I, I think, and going back to Julian Phillips, for a wing, for a guy who we just talked about isn't maybe the strongest guy physically, but he's got desire. As you mentioned, he's a really, really good offensive rebounder for his size. And at this point, I think he he kind of combines desire with his physique and his, as you mentioned, right? Not official yet, but supposed seven-foot wingspan. I think he's got some things going for him that uh, is going to be translatable as a, as, a, as a rebounder as well. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, he is a guy who I think on the offensive glass actually does have that knack for reading the ball come off. And, you know, that's a fun skill, especially, you know, he's like the, he's the reason that I want my team to like hit somebody and and push them out of the way because he's going to come and use his length to kind of jump over you and then, uh, you know, come back up and get a second chance point. So I, I think it's a it's a strong part of his game. And, you know, we'll see at the NBA level some NBA teams, they just tell their guys like get back on defense, right? Like we want to stop transition. We want to stop easy buckets and maybe he doesn't crash as much or, 
you know, some teams now they're telling their guys like there's an inefficiency and let's try to like take advantage of, of the offensive rebounding. So I, I think we'll see that part of his game depending on, you know, where he ends up, but let's take a quick break and then we'll break down his defense. All right, we're back, and we are going to break down Julian Phillips' defense. Let's talk about it, Albert. Where are you at with Julian Phillips as a defender? This might be controversial, but I feel very similarly about his defense in the way, in terms of how I feel about it as I did with his offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and I don't mean that his defense is as hypothetical and projectional or whatever. Um, I, I do feel like there are some things he needs to work on. I also feel like adding strength is going to help a lot of those things um, just very organically. But overall, Corey, I, I like how he moves laterally. But even with that, I thought at times his feet could be a little clunky, but still like he still moves really well. His length is there. The anticipation is there as a defender. I think overall, um, I think to start, I'll say, I I think he's going to be a versatile, multi-positional, lengthy, causes you some problems type of a defender is how I feel. Now, um, but what I said before about like his projection as a defender, I I I just feel like there are certain things that he needs to fine tune and then he'll be an excellent, excellent defender. I just don't think he's there yet. I thought, just from what I saw, there are a couple times on the ball where I felt like he was a little jumpy. Um, he was falling for, you know, head fakes or jump or uh, shot fakes or whatever. Um, but yeah, just a little fine-tuning is, is how I want to start. For sure. he He's certainly not perfect. I, I do think he has been one of, I think, the more impactful perimeter guys out of, like, the draft picks um, that we're that we talk about and you know where I think he struggled a little bit is when he's like switched on to maybe somebody who's a little bit quicker than he is maybe like a a guard uh, especially like in the pick and roll I don't think he's been like super great at the point of attack where he's got to get over a screen and recover Um, but I do think he's been good chasing around screens Mm. and recovering and that length that he has is something that really helps. And his feet, I do think, can be clunky at times, but because he's got such good length, and I do think he has good anticipation, I think that that recovery ability, even when his his feet are a little clunky, is uh, a, a big-time skill. Um, I think that his length has forced shooters into some really funky misses. Yeah, You know, like, not just, like, close out, and you know it's it's a little bit off like it, we're talking like in the corner like it hits the front of the rim and rockets a, a ricochets a weird way you know it's hitting like you know weird parts of the backboard like i think he's made he's forced some really tough misses air balls you know and and it's funny because he he doesn't have like crazy steal and block numbers his block percentage is pretty good i think it's at like four and a half percent which for a wing is you know pretty pretty decent it's definitely where you want to be if you're you know you have like top 20 um potential but you would think that somebody of his length would be a little bit more disruptive like on the ball but i i but at the same time you know i i think you know i for me i like 
as a coach, I like stealing off the ball rather than on. So I don't like when guys start reaching and poaching because it leads to foul trouble and whatnot. I'm fine with just kind of playing straight up and forcing guys into tough misses. And, you know, I think the most important prospect matchup that he's played this year was Grady Dick yeah. in Kansas. And he made Grady Dick's life hell. Yeah. You know, it, the, the and you mentioned him, he could be a little jumpy. The only points that Grady Dick scored on Julian Phillips is when he got fouled on a jump shot because he baited him into yeah. a pump fake. But other than that, I mean, Grady Dick looked like the guy who I thought maybe he would look like a little bit more at times where you were a little bit worried about the lack of athleticism versus like NBA style wings. And, and I think when you look at Grady Dick and we, you know, you guys covered him last week on the draft act. One of the things you, you would point to, to be like, how is he going to, you know, play every night when he's got a guy like Julian Phillips covering him. So I, I I do think that in a lot of ways, his on ball stuff has been real positive. And I think he's got the potential to be a real asset on that end as he cleans up some of the, the footwork stuff and, and kind of taking better angles. Like you said, he, he needs to take better angles on the ball as a finisher. I think even defensively too, because Mm. sometimes as he's leading a guy to a side, he opens his stance up just a little bit too much. So it, it looks more like he's playing Ole defense than kind of like forcing them to a side, leading them into the help. Whereas if he just fixed his stance, like 10 to 15 degrees, he'd be able to kind of, you know, meet the defense, the, the offensive player at the spot a little bit more often, take contact in the chest and then kind of redirect back out. So I, I think that's where I'm at with his on ball stuff. Yeah. No, I agree, Corey. And and I think well the the one like major critique, and no, sorry, it's not even major, but like the one that like I kind of highlighted and wanted to talk about in my in my piece was like I, I felt like at times closing out um to the perimeter, I thought was a little messy and a little wild. But ultimately, Corey, whether it's the critiques that you mentioned or I mentioned or whatever, these are small things actually. Like they're they're really, really small tweaks that he has to make. And Ultimately, the the foundation of who he is as a defender is there. The mentality is there. I think he's unafraid. I think he's uh, he, he he wants to get into people. Well, you mentioned the Grady Dick game a couple of days ago, I think, in our group chat. I went back and watched that game, and I was like, okay, yeah, this is great. This is what we want to see. And also really kind of reaffirmed everything that Stephen and I talked about with Grady Dick because Grady Dick is going to struggle against NBA-level defenders. Like, he's not going to see Julian Phillips. He's going to see Trey Murphy, I don't know, Macau Bridges, like much tougher and Herb NBA defenders, and it's going to cause him some stress. So. I love seeing that. But with Julian Phillips, I think there are small disciplinary things that I think if he tunes up, he'll be a much higher level defender. But once again, those are the types of tweaks that are easy to tweak, in my opinion. Yeah, I I mean, he I I like your point about the closeouts. Like, I think he's been effective as a closeout defender because his length really allows him to recover when he's like overcommitted a little too deep or, or whatnot but he doesn't you know have those short choppy steps with hands in your face like like you would traditionally see from like a high highly disciplined guy right but but it, it doesn't necessarily mean that he hasn't been effective in that regard all the time it's just it it doesn't look as pretty and as disciplined as you know maybe you would like it to and that's i, I think he, he does have those clunky feet I, I think maybe he needs to uh really like grow into his body because I I don't think he's uncoordinated, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. like I said, it looks like he got his training wheels off, but eventually 
the training wheels come off, you ride your bike, and you figure it out, and you get better, and you look a lot more fluid, and you don't fall down as much. And I think that's going to happen to him um, because we have to remember, you know, he's a freshman aged kid in college. He's 19. He's six foot eight and really long. He's probably got a, a, a big foot. Like, you know, he, he's gonna, he's got to grow in. Some of these guys have to grow into themselves and they're not there yet because they're still young, developing, growing. You know, there was the report that like Zaire Williams might be seven feet now, you know, like these guys are, are potentially still growing. So what did you think about him off the ball as a team defender? Yeah, I mean, there, I, I think it's exactly what you just said, Corey. Uh, his off-ball concentration, I thought he had some lapses. Um, but it, it's anyone of that age, we're going to get a ton of that. Like, just watching his high school stuff, a lot of times, I was like, it, it was hit or miss for me, I think is the best way to put it. Because when he hits, he hits. Like, I thought there were a couple of times where off the ball, it just, I watching him, I was like, oh, great job. You're in the right spot. Good right? You made the right rotation. You're where you need to be, right? And then sometimes, whether it was situational because, I don't know, maybe they're up by 30 or whatever, also there are times where the same concentration wasn't there, which is very normal for 17-year-old guys, right? It's going to happen. You never know. Yeah. There are a lot of different distractions there. And the same thing in college, right? I feel like so far, he hasn't been an elite off-ball defender, but when he hits, he hits. And for me, Corey, I think the more I think about like evaluation and how we watch these kids and whatever, for me, as long as there are a couple of hits, then I'm going to feel good about you because you haven't tasted NBA coaching yet or NBA speed or NBA experience. And all those things are going to be great teachers for you is what I believe. And I think for a guy like Julian Phillips, who has these foundational tools and skills and abilities, I think the fact that he hits once in a while is more than enough for me. And I think, speaks to where he's going to end up i think he's eventually going to be a guy who's a good off-ball defender because i think he's smart i do think overall he's a smart and going to be a smart nba player that plays with a really good attitude and motor and as long as you have those things i'm not going to freak out about a couple of mistakes here and there as a college freshman so you're basically saying it's like mcdonald's you know like when mcdonald's hits you're like there it is Let's let's give these guys a Michelin star, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when those fries come out fresh and they're, you know, perfect, that perfect mix of like right. little crunchy, but also, you know, got that that softness to them. When the burgers are fresh, you know, you got the Big Macs when it hits, you're like, I'm coming back. But oh, most yeah. of the time, most of the time you go through the, the drive through, you, you get your McDonald's fries are a little soggy. You know, like the, the burgers are, have probably been sitting there for a little bit. And it's like, mm -hmm. it does its job. It's yeah. fine. You know, mm -hmm. like I'm going to I'm I'm not like necessarily super upset. I'm not going to throw the food away. I'm going to eat it. It's it's not going to be something I talk about. It'll be fine. But it's enough to keep you coming back. You want right. more because, you know, when it hits, it hits. Right. <laughs> when the McFlurry machine is working. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to have to get a Oreo and M&M mix, you know, Ooh. perfectly mix it up. It, when I, you know, when I toured in England, they had a Kit Kat McFlurry. Oh, God. And that was fire. That was really good. Um, I ate a lot of McDonald's in England because uh, I'm sorry, Great Britain. I know, you know, you guys listen to this sucks. podcast. Your food's just not good. <laughs> you have a beautiful, beautiful country. Uh, London, one of my favorite cities that I've ever been to. But the food overall, it's just not good. 
and you know that's something that you guys have to work on and you have to look deep within yourself and, and fix that but yeah i like i actually i think that like you said he hasn't been perfect um sometimes you know he'll overcommit to a rotation and he'll that's where you get those like weird closeouts because he's he overcommitted on a dig and now he's got to run back out right but i i do think for the most part i've liked his awareness i think he makes an effort to talk and you could see that on the film i think he's done a really good job kind of being uh the low man and being in the right spots and he's got his head on a swivel so he's not like losing his man so i those are all things that as a coach you can work with because he has you know the tools to to be effective and i i'm a i'm a buyer and i i think that when you just talk about like raw potential and you know having like um a standout game on that end i think in this class he's he's been one of the more impressive guys and look you know for me that's why i have him at 17 because i believe the shot's gonna or 18 whatever i have him at because i I believe the shot is going to come around eventually i believe he's going to be a little bit more uh, efficient at the hoop eventually as he adds strength but i believe he could be special defensively because he has tools i think he plays hard and I think he's going to get even better on that end than the potential that he's shown. Bingo. Bingo. That's exactly how I feel, which is why I have more of him as well. Yeah. All right. So if you're buying stock hmm. in one Julian Phillips, who may you have bought stock in previously? Yeah. For the record, Corey, I tried to lead that segment last week and totally butchered it. <laughs> did not do that well at all and steven had to pick me up you did uh, you guys you guys did a great job teamwork makes the the dream work and i think you were a great host i was very very proud i appreciate that i appreciate that because i really fumbled this segment last week but here we go i'm back to being normal and uh cory knows i'm not fully functional right now but i'm excited to be back and this is a segment that i love because in my article i featured trevor ariza Um, Mm. I I like the Ariza comp a lot because for me, as a lifelong Knicks fan, I remember when we drafted Trevor Ariza and it was kind of a big deal. He was a second round guy for us under the uh, Isaiah Thomas regime out of UCLA. A lot of Knicks fans like me at the time, I was like, I was only like, what, 14 years old at the time in high school. I see the name Trevor Ariza. I listened to the draft in the rate in the radio, like, sorry, on the radio in my dad's car. And I remember the pick being announced and being very confused, not knowing who the hell he was. But everything that they talked about on the radio and in the papers afterwards, I was a New York Post guy growing up. You can kill me, fight me, whatever. I don't care. But everything they said about Trevor Ariza was that he was a lank, long, lanky defender guy, can't shoot, right? When we go through the career of Trevor Ariza, he eventually became a guy who shot over 35% for three from three for his career, a guy who turned into a rock solid three point shooter, a guy who won an NBA title with the Lakers in 2009 played on 9 million teams because he was valuable to 9 million teams was always a good defender, used his length and mobility well, and was a guy that teams enjoyed having on their team. So that's kind of how I see Julian Phillips. I think he's going to be a guy who may even have a better career than Trevor Ariza, but ultimately is a guy who I think is going to develop as a shooter. But of course, his calling card is going to be his defense and athleticism. And eventually, once he becomes a 35, 36% shooter, someone who's you're going to really respect 
whenever he shoots the ball. And on top of that, I, I we didn't get to talk about this so much, but and you mentioned it, Corey, that he shot from the mid range a lot. I really like his jumper from the mid range, and I like that he has that middle level to his scoring. So as he becomes a better three point shooter and he's got the mid range in his bag already, I'm a little bit more excited. So anyway, let me cut that short. Sorry, I, I know I went long, but I liked Trevor Ariza. Uh, well, I had Trevor Ariza too. And, you know, awesome. when you talk about like the shooting in the mid range, I, I think it's important because, um, you know, he hasn't shot a ton of them, but I think right. when he, when Tennessee plays against a zone, they use him in that middle at the nail a lot of times. Right. And, you know, he's looked good shooting there. He's getting to the line six and a half times a game. He's hitting them at an 80% clip. That That's a, a really good volume, a really good percentage, which is another reason why I'm, high on his long-term shooting upside because clearly that shot is not broken. He's just come out of the gates a little bit slow and he just needs to see if you go in. And I think, you know, that's, that's going to help him. Uh, but I think Trevor Ariza is like the, the realistic level outcome for him because uh, Trevor Ariza was a guy who played forever in the league. Like I, he actually, he might be on a team still. I don't know. Like he, he might be one of those guys who's just on the end of a bench uh, in like Phoenix or LA or, or something for whatever reason, because he's friends with, you know, the GM of the team, but he played forever. Uh, and he was a guy who I, I think would be even more valuable in this era of the NBA. Right. So the athleticism, the shooting kind of a little awkward as a mover, and uh, the two-way kind of fit him in any offense. He'll be able to, you know, contribute by cutting, getting out in transition, shooting, and then he could be a really versatile defender. I think that's that's the goal. That's the dream for him. I think the high upside outcome, and, you know, when I say this name, we're looking at the polished version, is Mikhail Bridges. I see some Mikhail Bridges in him. And, you know, Mikhail, by the time he was leaving Villanova uh, as a two-time champion – was, you know, knocking down off the bounce, mid-range shots, step backs, uh, was a, a, a 40 plus percent three point shooter on volume. But that freshman year when he played, uh, 20, uh, minutes a game, he was at 29% as a shooter. You know, he wasn't always this guy. He worked himself into that. And, you know, I think that if Julian Phillips is a guy who maybe who does spend an extra year in college, I think he's a guy who you could see take a really big leap on that end of the floor. But ultimately, I think his tools and his skill set are going to kind of get him to the point where teams are going to be enamored. And um, because of his defense, he's going to come out this year. And I, I think, you know, he, he could be a guy that we hear rising and uh, ultimately, and again, I think his percentages have to go up a little bit for this, but I think he's a guy who might get some lottery buzz potentially by the end of the year, if those percentages go up a little bit and then he goes and, and kind of dazzles in workouts. I, I think that's kind of his potential, but those two guys, I, again, not one-to-one -one comps either way, but I, I think there are outcomes towards both of those guys in, in some respects. And, and that, that role for Ariza uh, or for, for bridges rather, um, you know, he's doing a lot of floor spacing from the corners. You know, we talk about Julian Phillips and his percentages from three. It's not good, but guess what? 100% from the corners. Wow. Very he's only good. taken three. Only taken three. But that's something worth monitoring for the rest of the year because if he could be really efficient from the corners, mm -hmm. right? Now you're in that that role where you're 
confidently knocking down kickouts in an NBA offense. That's such an important shot for the NBA. Now you're kind of working that backside and you're getting baseline cuts um, coming under the defense. Like they're, they're all things that I'm trying to look at in an NBA context and maybe not to the same effectiveness of Mikhail Bridges, who was so polished as a, a coming out as a rookie and obviously contributed so much to winning. But Julian Phillips is on a, a good team contributing to winning even through his kind of, you know, training wheels right. year. So uh, I I'm, I'm high on him. So Corey, I'll say this PJ Tucker probably added six, seven years to his career doing exactly what he just said, shooting it well from the corner. So well, how, well, I mean, when did he make his return? <laughs> you know, like, know. <laughs> because I, I think that I, it was probably longer than six or seven years yeah. ago when, right. Yeah. Like when he had to go from the NBA to Europe back to the mm-hmm. NBA, like, Whenever that was to wherever he's at now, Mm -hmm. that's probably how many years it it, it really was. So, uh, yeah, it's valuable. It's valuable. And and now he's not hitting anything. There's zero shots he's hitting. (laughs) And he got a multi-year deal before the season. But he could defend. And, you know, you trust him in the playoffs. Exactly. You trust him in the playoffs. All right. America's favorite segment. Probably not uh, England's because we trashed their food. (laughs) Albert, it's time for you to sell me this pen on Julian Phillips. Listen up, England. We're team Meghan Markle. Just kidding. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so Julian Phillips is a pretty easy sell, I think, for Corey and I. Uh, He's a guy that we enjoy a lot because he is a 6'8 wing with a 7-foot wingspan who plays really hard on both ends of the floor. We believe that when you look at the mechanics of his jump shot, he's going to come around to become a pretty rock-solid shooter eventually. we We would... Suggest that you ignore the percentages for now. Eventually, this is a guy who's going to work his tail off and become a really good shooter and is going to become more effective around the rim as well. It's on the defensive side where he's going to sparkle and shine, and you're really going to want to take a look at this guy. He's got great length. He moves pretty well. His hips are pretty decent. I think it will only get better as well. And for whatever he's lacking right now in terms of mobility, he compensates with his length and with how hard he plays. A guy who's willing to rebound, a guy who we believe also is going to eventually add more steals and blocks as well because he's only going to get stronger from here and become more of a dominant, more intimidating defensive presence on that side of the ball. So uh, if you got, if you like guys like that and in the modern NBA, everyone's looking for a guy like that, a guy who's eventually going to be a good shooter and defend at a high level and be able to guard multiple positions is somebody I think everyone's going to be looking at, which is why I compared him to Hot Honey. Most pizza places nowadays are throwing Hot Honey on anything that they've got, and you can put hot honey on all kinds of food especially your fried chicken is why i think you should be buying into julian phillips you know i i was just telling my wife because we're watching uh this new show on hulu called best in dough which is uh, a cooking competition show where they're just making all different kinds of pizza and um it's actually you know pretty good for one of these like binge food shows and you know that you put hot, hot honey has been a a hot kind of thing to put on pizza recently, right? And I was telling my wife, I was like, you know, I've never had hot honey, oh, and I've never I would like to uh, add that to my arsenal. And there's a lot of places that we follow on Instagram um, that are you know a lot of these pizzerias in like Brooklyn and, and Manhattan that are posting some very enticing 
hot honey pies that I'm I'm very interested in. Now it's a little cold to really venture out that far just for food right now. Uh, but as it warms up, I'll be doing a lot of a lot of eating in in the burrows and the hot honey excursion is is on the list. Corey, if I may, like I wrote in my article, uh, there's a spot in Brooklyn that I know you know, Roberta's. Mm -hmm. Roberta's, they have a beasting pizza where they top with sopracetta and cheese and red sauce and whatever. And the hot honey on that is phenomenal. And it's something that we do here locally in LA. Me and my buddies, I know Corey, Corey knows this about me, but my buddies and I, we, we get down. Yes. We like to eat. We we're serious about our food. And my buddy bought one of those uni pizza ovens. And we've been making They're our own so pizza. Dope. It's They're so incredible, dope. Corey. Yeah. It goes up to eight hundred degrees Fahrenheit, and we, you get a pizza in seconds. We so. we bought one for my father in law uh, for Christmas last year. Awesome. Yeah, and uh, we it's a big um, pool party accessory that we we bust out. It is it's so dope. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, big fans of pizza on the draft act, guys. You're talking to yeah. some, you know, you're listening to some New Yorkers. So yeah. it is what it is. We're going to talk some pizza sometimes. All right, Albert, uh, tell the people where they can find you. And, uh, you know, if you're working on anything to pump up the hot honey piece again, whatever you got going on. For sure. Uh, you can find me at Alberto Gim on Twitter is where you can find me. Um, as Corey mentioned, I am working on some stuff. I won't actually be writing for this week. So by the time this pod comes out, Nick Agar Johnson will have dropped his uh, excellent piece, but I'll be writing for next week. Uh, but before we go, Corey, I did want to give a special shout out to my NLVC bridge family. We have been busting our asses off for the last four months preparing for a big tournament here in Southern California flag football tournament uh we had 35 guys on our team and we went up against some of the toughest churches out here it's a church flag football tournament and one of the teams we played they had like 50 60 guys we beat them we went five and one on the day made it to the championship game played against the defending champs and we won so want to give a special shout out to my boys we've been grinding so hard and sacrificing time and energy and our families have been so involved as well <laughs> practicing twice a week doing film film sessions on wednesday wednesday nights we put in the time and we earned that title so wanted to give a special shout out to my family and uh love you guys <laughs> shout out for the for the ring shout out mm -hmm. to the championship um yeah, you can find me at Corey Tullaba. I also am not writing this week, but next week I will be writing uh, a piece called Drop Coverage where I talk about some of the guys who maybe have dropped down boards recently and why and whether or not you should give up on them. So, you know, I'm in the process of that. I think it's going to be a fun piece. And uh, yeah, rate, subscribe, review, comment, share, like. All the good stuff. Uh, we have the Tylers coming up tomorrow, closing out the week, and then Nathan and the crew uh, at Draft Deeper opening up the week again, five days a week on the pod. And uh, subscribe, noceilingsnba.com. It is free. You're going to get the whole crew's writing to your inbox every single day. Next week, we'll be back covering another 2023 NBA Draft prospect. And until that time, we out. Peace. Peace.